It's uh, great to be able to bring the Word of God to you again, church. Something that I love doing, that I feel called to do, and uh, enjoy preparing as much as I do preaching it, and trust that uh, you're all blessed as you receive it. Uh, I think I've said to you before that for preaching to be effective, uh, there needs to be a miracle on both sides of the pulpit. Um, The Holy Spirit needs to be working on both sides of the pulpit. Uh, with you and with me as we go, but somehow by these words that we cobble together, God's truth goes out. And the Bible says that it never returns to him void, that as God's word goes out, it accomplishes something. It impacts us. It changes something. God created by speaking and he creates again today by speaking through his word and through the Holy Spirit. Creates things in us, which is fantastic. Um, You'd be aware that we've been preaching on the word if, uh, possibly nearly the shortest word in the Bible, but uh, uh, a word that uh, we are suggesting uh, packs a big punch when it comes to the scriptures. If shows up uh, in some key places uh, in the scriptures and uh, we've looked so far a couple of weeks ago at uh, if the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So if found in the mouth of Jesus at that stage. And we looked at the incredible freedom that comes uh, when Jesus speaks truth to us and we receive that truth. It, it changes our life literally and we experience a freedom in Christ that revolutions in our life. So that's where we started. Last week uh, it was, if God is for us, who can be against us? So it looked at the idea of the incredible weight of God's passion and desire being applied to our situation through Jesus sets for us a circumstance that really nothing that we could bring against that could overcome his love for us. It's in, we are inseparable from it. Uh, no matter what objection or excuse or act we could bring against it, nothing will overcome the love of God for us. So that's where we spent last week. This week, we concentrate on um, a a declaration, again found in the book of Romans like last week, where uh, the writer says that if you declare Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Now, uh, again, Lord is an interesting word and and, uh, it's become a, a bit of a religious word over the years, which I guess is inevitable, but Lord pretty much means the one in charge, <laughs> the, the, the boss, uh, you know, the ruler, the governor, the owner, uh, he's just the one. I think in some speak today you'd say the man, uh, you know, or something like that anyway. I don't know if that helps you to understand, but that's what it really means. And um, I'm really excited by this message today. I think uh, just, I know as I was preparing and looking at the scriptures, I, I just... I really almost wanted to display every scripture with the word salvation or save in it because the, the idea of God saving and, and giving salvation is found in the beginning of the scriptures right through to the end, literally. And it's a, it's a key activity and a key attribute of God and I believe it's going to bless you today when you come to... Um, understand what God has in store for your salvation 
what he's already accomplished for that, I trust and I believe. Um, So what we're going to do is look in the first instance at this passage, which our title is based on, and we're going to discuss salvation initially from a a viewpoint that many of us are familiar from. Uh, You'll often hear a person say, oh yes, uh, you know, a person got saved in our service today, or uh, have you been, are you saved? Uh, And and we have this expression that we pass around, and um, what people are referring to when they use in that terms is, um, uh, have you accepted Jesus? Ha- have you said yes to him? Are you a Christian? Uh, uh, you know, are you going to eternity or whatever? They're, they're referring to, if you like, that transaction for when we're presented with the invitation of Jesus and we say yes to it. We, we say, I, I believe that and I, I'm receiving that and I, I'm going to just go in that direction. I'm putting aside the life that I was living and I'm going with Jesus. And that's really what Paul, uh, when he writes this passage in Romans, is trying to give expression to what happens at that point. Now, you need to hang with me for just a minute because many of you are thinking, Pastor David, I've heard the gospel preached I'm going for 1,185. I mean, you, you, you've heard it many times. You're thinking, okay, you're going to preach the gospel. I guess you've got to do it because somebody needs to hear it. I've heard it. I'm starting to, I'm drifting. <laughs> Is there anything else coming up in this message? Um, all I would say in response to that, for those of you who heard the gospel lots of times, you've, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. You're in, you're agreed you giving and all of that, that's good. I'll say two things to you. The church actually needs to hear the gospel itself many times, believe it or not, because we often degenerate sometimes in our thinking to thinking that saving is something that sort of we do or, or that there's no saving going on. So we need to understand who it is who saves and, and how we participate in that. So uh, it's good for you to hear it again, but also... And this is what I'm really excited about today. I want to talk about salvation as being far more than you saying yes to Jesus, getting baptised, you've got your Jesus Christ mutual life policy, you're going to heaven, that's all done and you're sort of thinking, okay, I've filed that somewhere and life is just sailing along and quite frankly it's a mess and you know, I, I know Jesus is, has saved me for the future, but I'm not sure what saving is going on now. Because I want to suggest to you that the saving that Jesus does is very much interested in and aimed at your now here today. I really want you to catch that before we finish. That your saving in one sense has already happened, but in another sense... It's going on as we speak right now, that this message is even part of that process. That saving is both uh, something that uh, occurs in and for our future, but also is something that goes on right now. And that Jesus is passionately interested in that, wants to speak into that today. And I want to bring the heat of God's salvation into your situation here today. Because we all have circumstances 
where we have a sense, I, you know, I wish that circumstance could change. I, I wish that circumstance could be better. I, I wish that I could get to the other side of this. We all have things like that. Some things that have just happened this week, maybe even this morning, and some things that happen this year or in years gone by and they're still resonating with us today and we're sort of thinking, I've got the save thing done in the future, but we're not quite sure how the saving happens even in the circumstances they're in now. So I want to speak to that. But let's go back to where we began and let's talk and get to this high point uh, when Paul uh, unveils this formula, it seems, for being saved in Jesus Christ. He starts off by saying that Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So what Paul's talking about is he's saying, okay, there's a righteousness uh, that Moses wrote about in the Old Testament which came through obeying a law. Uh, You might say doing the right thing and and. Uh, That was then, but Paul now wants to talk about a righteousness that comes through faith. And that's something different. Now, it's not that faith doesn't affect our actions, but it's something that begins, if you like, with us and within us first. And in trying to explain this, he needs to come up with some sort of an indication, if you like, as to how a person might express this faith and and where it might start and what it might look like. Because God's original people said, well, you know, we're God's people so we obey the law and that becomes our marker. But Paul is explaining to the believers in Rome and to us that this faith, uh, that the righteousness that comes by faith includes being obedient to God's laws, but it starts and looks different and it outworks itself in a different way. And so uh, what he says, he goes on to say is, uh, and he's still quoting, the interestingly, the Old Testament to explain it, is, but what does it say? The word is near you. So it's, he's saying that um, we shouldn't say, oh, who's going to get our saviour from heaven or from below? Who, who's gonna, he's, he's actually close by. And it's quoting Deuteronomy 30, says, The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. And he says, there it is, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So Paul is offering up uh, two things because they're both necessary when it comes to our salvation. Firstly, if you're sitting there thinking, this is fantastic, the pastor's giving me the words that I need to say to get saved, this is exciting, I'm just saying them secretly to myself now, I'm going to say them at the end, I'm going to say them whenever I want, I've got the words and so I'll just keep saying them. Well, that's, that's, that's good, but the scripture is saying that if 
Your declaration only involves the speaking of these words as though it were a formula. That's not going to be enough. Conversely, you might also be saying, well, that's good. Yes, I believe in Jesus in my heart. Uh, I'm agreeing with him, but I don't really want to talk about it. I'm not going to tell anyone. It's never going to come out of my mouth. I'm just going to stick with that. Well, again, scripture would say to you, that's not enough. That what we're talking about when it it comes to a rightness with God uh, involves both a change of heart, a, a, a moving with Jesus of the heart, and an open proclamation that this is what's happened within me and I declare that Jesus is Lord. I've come to believe it and receive it in my heart. And he says that two things occur in that process. He talks, uses a word justified, which is probably best understood to mean right with God, that that we are uh, accepted into his presence. But then he talks about uh, the profession of our mouth um, involving being saved. And I guess the question is, from what? (laughs) Like, (laughs) who's drowning? What's, what's this saving that goes on? And then he gets a bit excited and he picks up his theme of saving and he says, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, quoting Isaiah. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, those who are God's original people and those who aren't. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So the writer is using as his justification for this speaking and this change of heart and this speaking out about what's happening as part of a process where when people call out to God that they um, receive a hearing. When we cry out to God and we say, I'm putting my trust in you, I'm relying on you, I'm, I'm going to do the Christian thing, the following Jesus thing, because I believe that your Lord and Saviour, in other words, that you give salvation, and I not only believe that the salvation you give affects my future after this life that I'm living, But I see from what you're proclaiming in your word, Jesus, that it also includes a measure of salvation for me here today, now, and tomorrow, and next week, that in some way I am delivered from and or through those things that I need saving from. And it's that journey that I now want to step off into by saying that not only does Jesus save us from the destiny that we are all facing when without him it doesn't end well, but he also then steps into our life now by the power of his Holy Spirit and he begins to save you now. He begins to change you and transform you now. That those things uh, that... We're going to send you ultimately on a path of destruction that were harmful for you, that were going to uh, cause grief in your life. And, and, you know, maybe you can identify those things that perhaps 
If you think about that's where I would have been now or, or that's what I would have been doing now, maybe you can have a picture of that. Maybe you, you can recall quite clearly a trajectory that you're on, but you got off and went in a different one because of Jesus. And you can quite concretely think, well, that's, I've definitely been saved from that. I've not even been saved from a future without God, but I, I know I've been saved from a life that I would have lived without him. So you can maybe think about that. I know when I became um, a believer, uh, when I was uh, 17 years of age, I think it was um, my musical tastes actually uh, give a very good example of the trajectory that my life was on. Uh, I remember when my dad went to the United States in, I don't know, 1976 maybe, I was 10 years old, and brought back a stereo cassette player. <laughs> Unbelievable technology. Two speakers, you could have used it as a boat anchor. Uh, it played cassette tapes. I mean, they'd just come out uh, after uh, cartridges. Remember those cartridge players? And uh, so, you know, this is very exciting and it meant, well, I guess I could play a cassette and actually listen to it. We only had one in the home. Nothing in the bedrooms, of course, in those days. Um, and so I went out and bought um, Living in the 70s by Skyhooks. And it had just come out. I was listening to 5KA, hearing horror movie. And boy, it was exciting when I got my first cassette. That was it. And went on to buy the other Skyhooks cassettes. Then I started listening to Kiss when I was in high school. Then ACDC, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, do you see? You notice a theme here? I've gone from Skyhooks to Black Sabbath. <laughs> and then, when I was about 15, I think, or 16, I started to listen to the Sex Pistols, Don't Ask Me Why, and a band called the Dead Kennedys, would you believe? Now, those of you who know a little bit about punk music would say, Dave, that's starting to get a little bit serious. And the truth is... I was on a trajectory that wasn't going in a very good direction whatsoever. I went and heard the, saw the Dead Kennedys at Theberton Theatre in, I don't know, 1982. And it, it wasn't looking good. Like I was really starting to deteriorate, I guess, in terms of what I thought was worth singing about and what I thought was worth living for or not. But praise God, around that time I got invited to a baptism at my local church and I heard the gospel and there, while listening to Let's Lynch the Landlord by the Dead Kennedys, I kid you not, it's one of their songs. <laughs> Don't you go and look it up. Um, I'm hearing, let's say yes to Jesus. And as I'm hearing the word preached and going to church, I'm realising I, I really need saving because i got a feeling this ain't going to end well, but Jesus uh, is going and is offering to save me, not only for the future, but there's something unfolding in my life which is going to be a lot different. And I often reflect back, folks, and... Look, I don't like to speculate or imagine too much, but I really, really wonder how my life would, un would have unfolded from age 17 
if I hadn't gone into a church community, if I hadn't heard about Jesus, if I hadn't met Judy Lukehurst in the youth group, if I hadn't have been invited to share my testimony at my baptism, how does that sound, Leah? And uh, Margaret Powell sees this young guy there, 17, giving his testimony, comes up afterwards and says, you're going to be a preacher. <laughs> how about that, Leah? We'll have a word for you on your, on your baptism. And it, it seemed confusing, but God spoke into my circumstances, changed my life and literally saved me. So this is the salvation that Jesus offers, not just for eternity, but for now. Now, we've made a little bit of progress and you're thinking, okay, yeah, that's good, Pastor. That's great. I believe in the eternal salvation of Jesus Christ. I agree with you. My life would probably be a lot different uh, if I had not have said yes to Jesus. I get that. But is there anything we can say about now? Like this, having that saved thing going on, what's happening now in terms of the saving activity of Jesus? So we're going to step into that a little bit. I want to paint a picture about God's desire to save that goes back really to the start of time, way back. This is not something that occurred with Jesus. Jesus' saving activity is the pinnacle of God's saving activity It goes on in Jesus today, but it began uh, way back in circumstances like when God's people were standing, facing an immovable obstacle, they thought, corralled in by an enemy that was determined and set on their destruction, and God miraculously made a way through the obstacle uh, called the Red Sea. And afterwards, Moses uh, thought... This needs to be remarked upon in some way. And among the words that he wrote were these, The Lord is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. So right back then, Moses notices that his relationship and the relationship of the people with God involved salvation. It was a gift that God gave his people. And at this occasion, it was incredibly practical and absolutely real because it was that one or death. They weren't going anywhere further at the end of that day if that didn't happen. The King David also remarked on God's saving activity when, uh, because of the instability uh, of the king at that time, King Saul, Uh, he was determined and saw David as a threat to his kingship and basically thought the best way to solve it was to get rid of him and kill him. And that required David to run from Saul so very often for many years during that time. But he was delivered constantly from that and ultimately did become king of Israel as had already been prophesied over him before that time. And David said this, My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my saviour from violent people, you saved me. And I want to encourage you, church, as we read these scriptures here today about people declaring that God is this salvation, I am inviting you 
to step into them and see them as your declarations, either in faith for things that you are believing for, for deliverance or rescue or help or whatever, or even if it applies to you for your eternal salvation. That we are invited in the scriptures to step into these scriptures and to say, I want that to be my declaration. I want that to be my prayer in relation to this particular thing. Because I believe that invitation applies. And in a few moments time, we'll look uh, at the wonderful declarations of salvation that David made through the Psalms. Another declaration was made by Jonah. This is while he's still in the fish uh, uh, that God had provided to uh, rescue him, believe it or not, from the storm that he was in at the time. And he said, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, the, the mouth speaking out, salvation comes from the Lord. That speaking out that God is the one who saves is powerful. And you might be a person who prays a lot. Maybe you're a person that doesn't pray so often. Maybe you're struggling with that at the moment. But even the smallest declarations out of your mouth where you say, Lord, I believe you're a God who saves. Lord, I believe you're a God who rescues. Even as you speak that out, I'm telling you, you make a statement that affects you in a material way. It releases God's power into your circumstances. Even if you can't think that you see it at the time, it is powerful for the rescuing and the salvation of you in your situation and in your circumstances. Jonah is really an interesting one. I'm not going to divert too much down this, but often we think that Jonah was stuck when he was in the, the, the fish's belly. The scripture says he was there for three days. Um, and he was, but that had actually been provided by God because it was either that or drown. <laughs> uh, so what probably seemed like a fairly uh, ordinary solution, being swallowed by a big fish, actually worked out to be a pretty good option when it came to that or drowning. And it was in that place of stuckness that Jonah proclaims God's salvation. And some of you today are feeling stuck. Some of you are feeling, I don't see a solution to this. But I want to encourage you to step into the place of Jonah and proclaim the salvation of God even in that stuckness. Because that stuckness can be part of God's plan of salvation for you that he will deliver you from in good time. The book of Psalms celebrates God's salvation with 39 mentions of the word, which is the most of any book in the Bible. And I'm just going to step through these as we move towards our conclusion because I just, I mean, I don't know how you do devotions or, you know, maybe you do the life journal and that, but if you're ever looking for something to work on, Maybe God will give you a word, and I've done this with the word rescue. Salvation is a great word to do it. Just type it into a search engine of your Bible and just read through all the times that salvation is mentioned. Because if you do that and you just let this wash over you, I'm telling you it's going to change the way you think, the way you feel. It, it just has a material impact. And Psalms just wants to talk about God's salvation. So many of them are from the hand of David who 
experienced that rescue, who was told as a young boy that he was going to be king of Israel, which either he found incredibly frightening or really exciting or maybe both. And from there, uh, his life uh, hits a high point when he kills Goliath, but really falls apart as that destiny just seems to be nowhere near happening as Saul chases after him. But So David really had to live this and experience this. Psalms tells us to rejoice and be thankful for the Lord's salvation. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, says Psalm 13. Psalm 118 says, I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. So it encourages us to look at the Lord's salvation, to reflect on our own salvation, to recall where we were or where we are or whatever it is and say, Lord, I thank you for that. It also tells us to be confident of the Lord's salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Be confident of God's salvation. Psalm 37 says, The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. Who is the righteous? It's it's actually not a person that does the right thing. Um, It's just someone who acknowledges God. That really is the dividing line between the righteous. Scripture says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But some of us have said, you are Lord... That Jesus is the saviour of all the world. And in doing so, the righteousness of God becomes accredited and ascribed to them. That's that's the transaction. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's a promise. There's no rider to it. It's the declaration of our mouth and the belief in our heart. So that's the righteous and the unrighteous. Psalms also says, encourages us to pray for the Lord's salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The writer there is not feeling the joy of the Lord's salvation and does not have a willing spirit. So has asked for both of those things that they might continue in the life that they are living. Psalm 69 says, but as for me, afflicted and in pain. May your salvation, God, protect me. Interesting declaration. The person openly admits they are afflicted and in pain. They're they're struggling. They're they're not experiencing that joy, but yet in their prayer they say, may your salvation protect me. May it deliver me. May I get through this because of who you are and what you do. And then finally, We're encouraged to proclaim the Lord's salvation. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. We do that every Sunday that we're here at church and we're encouraged to do it every day when we read the scriptures, when we pray, when we listen to music, when we talk to others. Psalm 98 says, The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. That has been accomplished today by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is the most influential human being ever to live in the history of humanity. Did you know that? 
Find me another human being that has influenced human destiny and society and culture more than Jesus of Nazareth. I'll save you the chase. There's no one else. Unmatched, unparalleled in history because, among other things, of the salvation that he brings. Jesus is the Lord's salvation today. The book, the Gospel of Luke can't get enough of it in the first chapters, wants to declare he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, that's Jesus. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, that's Jesus. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, that's Jesus. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that's Jesus. And all people will see God's salvation, that's Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved, said the Apostle Peter as he preached in Jerusalem. So many want to say, oh, well, you know, maybe it's this way, maybe it's that way. For followers of Jesus, there's only one answer and there's only one answer for everyone. He is the name under which we must be saved. We are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Salvation is for now, for he says, In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. That's God speaking. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour, now is the time of salvation. In the era of Jesus the Son, we are offered this salvation, not just for the future, but for now. The challenge that I want to finish with today is found in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, that's Jesus, was confirmed to us by his apostles who heard him. We've been reading some of that today. And then finally we return to our promise that we started with. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe, excuse me, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we thank you for the declaration and the promise that has been spoken over us today. We thank you for the fact that when we say yes to you, when we accept you and believe in our hearts that you are who you say you are, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Saviour of all the world, that he's Lord, he's over everything, then our future and our present changes miraculously, eternally, forever and a day. We step into the place where your salvation is provided, where no matter what we are experiencing, no matter what we're dealing with, the big things but also the small things, Lord, you are an ever-present help in our time of need. That you don't necessarily, Lord, deliver us from 
all of our troubles, but you certainly deliver us through them. You help us to persevere and to push on. Father, for that salvation, then and now, we are eternally grateful. And Lord, I want to pray as well for everyone here who hasn't said yes to you yet, who still needs to make that profession of their mouth or needs to receive you in their, in their hearts in a truly authentic way. Lord, we don't provide an opportunity every time we meet, but I want them to really touch base with you now. I want them to really get ready to take that step to make that profession, to say yes to you and to receive that salvation that's going to change their life for good. Lord, I thank you for the way that you saved so many of us here, for the way that so many of us can say, Lord, if not for the grace of God, there would go I. Father, I thank you for your goodness, grace and mercy. I thank you that you touch hearts and change lives. And Lord, I say, Have your way with us now, in this place, in this week, and in this year to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, I want to invite us all now to stand to our feet, and we're going to have a time of worship and also a time of prayer ministry. If our prayer ministry team could come to the front, that would be great, because I really want to do a couple of things today. One main thing, and some of you may have noticed as I was praying that When we're talking about salvation, we're not talking about God delivering us from all of our troubles in the sense that you're never going to have trouble in your life. That's not what we're talking about when we say salvation. Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm greater than your troubles. But I'm also aware that praying to the Saviour of all the world is powerful and effective. We're invited to do it. So as we worship now, I want to open up the front here for prayer. And if you are thinking at this moment, you know, I'm definitely dealing with this issue that I'm struggling with. I I can think of this situation where God's salvation is required. I encourage you to come forward and receive prayer for that situation right now. Because That profession of our mouth, that prayer that we pray is powerful and effective. So let's just open up the front now. We'd love to pray for you as a team and just invite you to come forward. I encourage you to exercise your faith today. Let that not only settle in your heart, but also come out of your mouth. Lord, save me. Lord, save her. Lord, save him. Lord, help, deliver, rescue us. As our team leads us now, let's do that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come, folks, let's pray for you right now. Thank you, Jesus. All these people.